Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. We are here to celebrate the men's ACC soccer title because no one expected us to lead with that. Why would you if you've listened to us for the last, you know, uh, this season? Um, and I guess Pregler and I for years longer than that. Uh, the the <laughs> men have defeated Clemson, former national champion or defending national champion, former number one who was dethroned by Syracuse earlier in the year, two uh, nil, or as the title you probably saw reads, Dos Acero in the <laughs> men's soccer uh, championship down in Cary, North Carolina. Thoughts to lead this puppy off, folks? I mean, the prevailing just theme in all football. Just give it to the non-Americans, and the success will happen. Which doesn't bode yeah. well for the U.S. chances in the World Cup, but that's not a I digress. Let's move on from that. <laughs> well, that's why we're Canada's national team too. So, um, yeah, we'll get definitely get into that later. I, I just, I we talked about this really earlier on in the soccer season. Um, I think we asked Steve the difficult question of like, how good is this team actually? Because um, I think if we look at this in totality, Syracuse had a peak. The last time that they won the ACC tournament, which was in 2015, and Mac had really kind of created this program that was churning out top five MLS picks, was churning out just these players that we are going to talk about later when we do a World Cup preview. And then there was a time period where things just kind of lulled out, and obviously the pandemic greatly impacts a recruiting strategy based around international recruitment. It hurts when your season gets split into two seasons for no good reason, uh, even though that's the way we want it to be moving forward. But the, like there, there was so much that happened in the lull that I think Coach Mack getting the team back to this level shows just how quality of a program is on the hill right now. And I don't think that this is going to be the last time that we talk about Syracuse being a contender in the ACC. I feel like this is the beginning of yet another potential run where this team is just year in and year out reloading with some amazing talent. I mean, and take a look at like the non-seniors that are on this team. Like you still have, if he doesn't get a, uh, a uh, generation Adidas contract, which honestly, is now up in the air just based on this season. They thought Poku could get a Generation Adidas contract just based yeah. on this season. Uh, Lorenzo Balselli, who has uh, improved just massively ever since the beginning of this season, is still just a junior. Kurkalov is a sophomore. Giorgio Kachevsky is a junior. I mean, and you still have, you know, talent and depth on the bench. You still have the Pagano brothers who are waiting to be released after dominating all central New York at the high school level. Julius Roush, who was a starter at times last year, is still a person on the bench that has been coming off. So you still have a lot of talent waiting in the wings as well to replenish uh, what you lose from the guys that are going to graduate and the seniors that have led this team. 
Yeah, and this uh, the, it's it's another one of those where Mac constantly is bringing in solid recruiting classes, but also is the master of the transfer portal. And I don't know if maybe like Dino could walk down the hall and figure that one out with him, uh, get the two of them on the same page. Uh, we'll talk more about that later, but um, yeah, I, the squad right now. Um, They've they've looked good and they've only improved throughout the year when uh, when healthy. I mean that back line that back three pitched another shutout and uh, wasn't even their first choice back three with uh, Olu Agunle in for Booster Schoberg who's still out with injury for these last two games. Uh, hopefully he's healthy again for the NCAA's. But when you're when you're able to um, end up with a clean sheet against the uh, former number one on the year in the ACC title game, uh, you're doing something right on the defensive end as well. Yeah, I think that this is a team where there's a lot of names that you might have heard about if you were listening to this podcast semi-consistently or you tuned into a game. But for both of you guys, Christian, um, if you if you don't mind starting with kind of like the attack, like how how has this team been built and evolved as the season went on? And then Steve, I'm. I always just assume that you you know how to talk about the midfield and the and the big boys in the back because I think for a lot of people, um, I know that I was in a couple of group chats today where people were like, "Oh, holy shit, Coach Max back," um, and they had not been paying attention to this run. And so for those who might want the the spark notes on this team, um, Christian, no, we let's missed start it. With the we attack. missed it on the title again. We could have gone with Mac is back. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh man! Return just a lot, a lot of a, a lot of great options. Oh, the return of the Mac. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Nice work, Pregler. A, a lot of great options for titles this week for the podcast, <laughs> all of which are definitely not football related. No, which no, is absolutely not. A, a cherry on the cake uh, for the attack. Um, a lot of the headlines go uh, deservedly so towards Nathan Apoku and Levante Johnson, uh, mainly just because of their pace. You saw with Apoku today, his strength is another added factor because his hold-up play is excellent to allow the rest of the midfield to just charge up the field with him. And that's really where Syracuse's strength lies. Uh, Giorgio Kachevsky, Kerkalov when he gets on the field, Jonah labeled on the, on the left side. And then, as of late, Lorenzo Baselli, who has really stepped up as the season has gone on, the attack starts with them, and the uh, Johnson and Opoku don't get the ball and cause havoc with their pace if uh, the midfield isn't creating chances with very smart runs and great passes. And that's really where the strength of the Syracuse attack comes from, is that it's not just all on their strikers. It's really the midfield creating chances for everyone on the field to score. And now that's where you see guys like Boselli now stepping up and picking up the scraps of chances created by others as well. Yeah, and that's uh, it's Boselli's come, come into his own, as you mentioned, relatively recently in the season, kind of latter half. But um, he he kind of fills that gap that people were look well that um you you were kind of looking for with you have a poku who's a, like you mentioned a great hold up guy you have johnson who's kind of playing off the back shoulder and then with baselli to be able to play underneath and to have someone that a poku can play off of really bolsters that uh, because none of naturally i don't think any of our starting midfield is uh going to be pushing that you know Kachevsky or uh, Sinclair are not going to be uh, j just by nature not going to be pushing forward nearly as much as uh, what you would want with someone that can hold it up like a Poku. Uh, the shuttlers on the outside are have done a phenomenal job all year. Uh, Jonah Leibold is officially uh, my son's favorite player just because he saw him running back and forth repeatedly and uh, for good reason. I mean he's been he's been dynamite. Yeah, and you see a point. Kalov comes off the bench. He's quickly become uh, McIntyre's first choice option off the bench to come on to rotate. And he's usually coming on for either Singleman or Johnson. Um, and Kalov is just an offensive chances creating machine. Because it almost feels like Syracuse can get a shot just on goal or just a shot in general whenever Kalov gets the ball on the attacking third. Which yeah. is, an especially in the way the college game is with the rotating subs. 
to have an impact guy like that in the waning minutes of the half is such a key cog to making a deep run. Yeah, and it very much, it allows you to play, uh, especially with him coming off the bench, because he started at the beginning of the year uh, and was kind of switched out for Baselli midway through. Um, when Kalov starts, you have a lot of, you have a lot of chances, but there's not, Kalov's kind of a not as tracky-backy type player. Um, I don't know how to say that nicely. Uh, <laughs> he wants to stay in the attacking third. but uh, low, low attack rate on FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's not a box to box midfielder. Let's put it that way. Um, but he, he does have that offensive spark and he's one of those guys that, you know, you have this, what's become the steady hand of Baselli in there. And then you can mix it up uh, depending on who you want to pull out, depending on what look you want to give. Uh, if, if they want to shift to, you know, him almost in a 10, you've seen that on occasion as well. Yeah. The, the team, especially this year, um, defensively, like they shut they shut out the the national title. I think I heard on the broadcast um, this is the tenth shutout of the season for the Orange uh, this season. It might be more than that. Um, they might have just been referring to ACC play specifically, uh, but either way, this team defensively has been so so stall has been so staunch, and I think that at least in my experience, like coming in, you know, my Syracuse fandom with soccer started really with Alex Bono and this goalkeeper you thing that Syracuse had going for a minute where they would just find the largest and lankiest guys that you could possibly find and throw them in the net. And it worked out pretty well. Um, and, then, what yeah, ha- and then we switched to Hendrick Hilbert, yeah. <laughs> who was decidedly not that, but decidedly incredible at the same time yeah he had the 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 nick he was channeling his inner nick Romando. yes that's what it is yeah mm-hmm. so yeah like talk to me talk me through like how this team has ended up so defensively staunch uh with it with a very different direction than the way that they had gone previously i i think it's been the emergence of booster like he played yeah. solid last year but he is the anchor in that midfield or in that uh, defensive three and them you could see against Virginia they were not comfortable without him in the middle now against Clemson today they settled down significantly but that first game it was a lot of communication a lot of positioning that wasn't quite there another week to work on it it you know uh, helps out and they had a lot more cohesion because all three of the the uh, defenders that started today are ACC starter quality Um, Olu was pretty much only not starting because the the other three looked as good as they did and Olu was starting at the beginning of the year when yeah. Salim was injured. Right. So. so Salim was coming off an ACL and wasn't at 100%, so Olu was starting. And then they switch it up, and now Olu is the guy you can bring in to just play utility man. And it's like, okay, this is this is a lot of good options. And it kind of is probably the best defensive three we've had since those uh, Miles Kamal. And um, we did this talking the other day and couldn't remember who the third was. Louis Cross. That's who it was, yes. Absolutely. And the, the impressive thing about that back three is that you would expect Miles or Kamal to be the guy in the middle of the mid three, but it was cross in the middle. Right. And it, and really, in, whenever you play a back three or back five, it's that middle center back that really dictates, you know, the defensive shape and you know the defensive backbone and structure of the back three of the center backs. And so, you need that guy to be very, very strong. And Booster has taken up that role incredibly well. And Curdy now, when he has this had slide over because of the Booster injury, you know, after a little bit of the shakiness in the Virginia game, did very well here in the uh, Clemson game. Oscar Sewerin was the other. The remember last time we talked, I yes. was trying to think mm-hmm. of the the Scandinavian defender. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. Now that we've pieced together that whole conversation for people that weren't there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This, so, uh, I was going to say, so, oh. just choking on my water. It's okay. Go for it. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, I just want to make sure I'm not cutting you off there. Um, so the, the big thing I think next for those who might not know how this whole thing works, um, the much like every other college sport, there is a postseason tournament that takes place here. Uh, it is called the college cup and it is a single elimination style bracket tournament that, um, 
the bracket is not available yet. I'm furiously Googling to figure out it when is tomorrow. Selection Sunday is tomorrow. Selection Monday is tomorrow. And I'll right. have... That'll get, re yeah. get revealed tomorrow. Uh, so that'll drop at 1 p.m. I'm going to try and have something up pending work actually being worked tomorrow, but I'll have something up worst case at night. Yeah, and I was taking a look at where Syracuse stands. So in the most recent rankings that came out this week leading into the weekend finals, Syracuse was number three uh, behind Washington and Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky uh You're looking at win. rankings. RPI is what's determined or what determines the... Uh... Uh, I always forget cup. that it's RPI. Yeah. Oh. So the NCAA, so uh, the seating is all based on RPI. Wow. That is really annoying. So it really um, helps the ACC a lot of times because they beat the hell out of each other because everyone in the league is so good. I'm now going to look this up. I'm taking a look at the rankings that they They're were four. on the NCAA. What was that? Uh, right now, the Orange are number four in the ACC. Virginia was number three. However... As we all that know, is going to change. <laughs> earlier this week, Virginia lost to Syracuse, so we're at least going to be three in the uh, uh, in the RPI next week. And and just to keep boosting the like the are the RPI score, Clemson was seven, right? So yeah, yeah, they were eighteen in the country, seven in the RPI because well, uh, yeah, and it helps when your two losses on the year are currently to the three and eight in the RPI. Yeah, not bad, not bad at all. Yeah, uh, Kentucky, who was ahead of Syracuse in both the coaches' rankings and RPI, did win the, get ready for this, uh, the Sun Belt Conference Tournament, because they play in the Sun Belt. Did mm -hmm. not know that until reading this. SEC, um, yay. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> Washington men's soccer lost in the uh, Pac-12 final. Oh, they Washington lost? lost? They lost to Oregon State. Ooh. Hmm. That's a spicy one. little beaver upset action here. Yeah, huge upset there that should really drop Washington in all rankings. Uh, <laughs> shout, out to, <laughs> shout out to Oregon State's coming into the last RPI record of 6-3-6. Six, six. That's a oh, Premier League record if, wow. I, if I've ever seen one of my... <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. And yet they took and, him down, so hey, more power to him. And yet they got... Oh, wait, sorry, never mind. Uh, I was looking... Uh, no, they did lose. I was like, why is why do they have a Pac-12 champions graphic? It's because they're the regular season champions, not the tournament champions. Uh, um, they did they lost the final tournament game, uh, one nothing. With they gave up a goal in the 82nd minute or 84th minute, even worse. Um, yeah, so tough loss there for Washington, but that should benefit Syracuse because I would assume at that point, um, based off of RPI, Kentucky probably takes the top spot, and Syracuse will probably slot into number two assuming that Washington takes a tumble. Um, and that should be some decent seating for the Orange moving forward. Um, yeah, and the, the added benefit for that is that every game, except for the semifinals and finals, is at campus sites. Yep. And so because of that high seating, as, as Syracuse moves on, and assuming Syracuse does continue to move on, all of their games until the semifinals are going to be home games at the... Hopefully, SU Soccer Stadium. Yeah, and that well, uh, well, we'll we'll yeah, see. Can, you, can yeah. you guys talk about that yeah. a little bit and like what what this uh... for those for those who haven't tuned into the podcast before? Steve and I remember our game very very fondly in the 2016 NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, so uh, well, I remember the game before it quite vividly too because we played Dartmouth. Well, we were I believe, both right? there as well for that. Yeah, was that that was Dartmouth in the first round? No, oh, that was Seattle. Oh yeah, yep. Dartmouth was the year before. Um, the so they played, they hosted them at home. Uh, game just absolutely destroyed the pitch. It was probably what like thirty eight and like snow rainy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was the if you can picture the worst weather you can think of in Syracuse, these two games encompassed it because mm -hmm. that was the snow rainy mess that blew the pitch apart. And then because they couldn't play there, they went over to OCC and their turf. And that game got played in a big old snow ice mess. And that ball did not do things that balls should do when it hit the ground. And uh, SU was upset by North Carolina, unfortunately. Would you like to opine further on that, Christian? Because, well, it's seared. As much as I love soccer, it was miserable to be at both of those games. That is an accurate statement. 
Yeah, the Syracuse luck in the NCAA tournament is definitively bad. Uh, but I do what do you mean the year before that where they were ranked number one going into the tournament and then lost to Georgetown away? Yep, I was talking about that one. Yeah. Um, I think the was the year that they made it to the semifinal 2017? 15. 15. 15. Yep. 15. Okay, because that was the one where that's they where lost to Clemson in the semifinals. They lost, and... the, they lost to Clemson on penalties. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Yay. And then Which... Clemson lost to Jordan Morris. Jordan Morris, yeah, they lost yeah. to Jordan Morris. <laughs> They yeah they yeah. got they got World Cup uh, World Cup team member Jordan Morris yeah <laughs> which again still ridiculous that he opted to play college soccer yeah but that, but, that was, pro. but then we we just missed out on the timeline of Miles Robinson guarding Jordan Morris at the College Cup final oh sorry yep. that sounds actually like a really fun game to watch God damn it <laughs> that would have been great yeah. Uh, so yeah, College Cup coverage. We'll have that this week. Uh, to tune into the website, as as you can tell, uh, this is a sport that this group and this website has covered for a while. And I don't want to like be the guy who says we're better than everybody else, but I think that this is one of the sports where our coverage is pretty much the best you're gonna get out there. And a lot of it's a testament to Steve who I remember when Steve was first covering and writing for News Magician, going to soccer games and taking his own photos to use because... I still there was... do that because there's no photos. <laughs> because Every picture, because, every picture because, that's on one of my soccer... Because, because <laughs> Getty's not paying for a photographer to be in Syracuse. For any, no, for any for any college soccer game, unless it's gonna, unless it's the College Cup. Right. The next couple uh, of weeks, we might get a couple. I think that's the last is from uh, Benny Polk's team making that run. I think yes. that's the last Getty images or USA Today images uh-huh. that we can get. But Ooh, yeah, that's how I started with those. There. Actually, also, sh- also shout out to me getting really confused uh, with the um, because the College Cup is going to also be played where the ACC Championships yeah. was played in Cary, North Carolina. But the field is Wake Med sponsored. Right. So I thought a couple of weeks ago that it was in Winston-Salem because I saw Wake at the beginning of the field name. That'll and do I'm it. like, that just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, we'll just give them the home field. Um, so yeah, the College Cup rotates around, but and they've announced the next couple. The it, it, Of course, none near here. Uh, and I don't make enough noon, noons bucks to uh, go cover the college cup if we make it but in Cary again in Cary, north carolina didn't they do it in kansas city one time yeah like the, at the actual that was where they, they the one they made was in kansas city okay um but yeah we'll see we'll see what happens with this i mean if nothing else huge shout out to you know coach mac and yuka and sean and the rest of the crew like they're <laughs> they, they're punching well above the weight that everybody thought they were at i think they thought they had a, a special team but um, you know, for any any people watching it, like now we know they were right if they did. Yeah, and how did they do it? The transfer portal. Yeah, go talk to Dino. Because, because let's let's or like, Jim. <laughs> let's um, like really hammer that down because I we we began this with Apoku and with Levante Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Levante Johnson transferred from Seattle, and Apoku. Transfer from NAIA Lindsey Wilson College. Yeah, and Baselli transferred from uh, Dallas College Richland campus. Yeah. Uh, Russell Shealy, although it's his second season, transferred from Maryland. He does have a national championship under his belt. He does. He does. He was on that, that team. That is right. So, yeah, I mean, Louis Bulger is a transfer. Uh, Jonah came as a freshman last year, right? Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's a, and it's a long, it's not new. I, I, like I, I know Cheech and Nino Pagano are not, but um, like it's a long and storied history of Mac bringing in transfers. Like that's yeah. what he's done, and yeah. it's worked Kirsten very well. Curdy, Marist. Yeah, yeah. So why not? It is. It is kind of insane that they continue to hit on this. And again, this team is one um, of the best in the country. Booster Single elimination. Booster's a transfer. Wofford. <laughs> forgot about that. Yep. Yeah, Wofford. I forgot about that as well. Just, 
I kind of love this. I love I love I love the idea of Coach Mac just like finding small little soccer games and being like that one. That that's the one. That's the key right there. Uh, like some yeah, guess, actual. Yeah, guess 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 who did that? Florida State did that. Yes, yes, yes they did. Uh, I was actually about... trying to. I, well, so yeah, intro yeah, us. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to talk about the other football game here. Uh, Syracuse lost. Uh, Syracuse scored a little. Florida State scored a lot. Um, things did not go well for the Orange the, uh, senior day at the Dome. Thank um, you for the understatement uh, of the year, Andy. Yeah, I, I'm really trying not to be a dick here, but like the Orange haven't scored a touchdown in two games. Um, I think the streak actually extends into the game previous there. So the, the, the Orange are not right. And Florida State was a team that, while vulnerable, is a team that you have to at least be right against to take advantage of that vulnerability. And we saw a Syracuse offense that really looked all kinds of out of sorts on at pretty much every position. And we saw a defense that just could not withstand anything that Florida State threw at it time and time again. They'd get one or two stops. Florida State would break one open and just kind of deflate the morale of the game. Um, this was probably the least enjoyable Syracuse game that I have watched in a while. Um, probably going back into the COVID year, just because of Did how you? obvious it was from the get-go that this was not going to be, this was just not going to go well for the Orange. Did you watch Louisville last year? No, I did watch Louisville. Yeah, that game actually, I blocked that game from my memory. You're right. You're right. Rightfully so. I'm here to bring it right back. <laughs> yeah. I, no. I, I watched I that game the, on a computer screen. Ugh. I was on the I was on the long recap for that game, and I stopped watching that game after halftime. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I said said something. Uh, oh, that's what it was. Kevin um, Kevin had put something out from the the Twitter account. Uh, saying that we'd have you know coverage for the the men's soccer and field hockey games today, and uh, I think I replied with, "Well, I've got to still watch this thing. You guys probably shouldn't go tune into those tomorrow." <laughs> yeah, um, Christian, we'll start with you. We have to. Yeah, just like everything went wrong. Everything is bad. Um, what is probably the most fixable over the last couple weeks of the season here? Wow, you ask great questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the, here's what's the most fixable, but at the same time not. Because I know Steve was going to also say this is fixable, but not at the same time. Penalties. Mm. Because Syracuse actually did what they should have done because Florida State were ranked marginally worse than Syracuse in terms of run defense, in terms of run uh, rush yards allowed. Florida State was averaging two yards a game worse than Syracuse in terms of uh, rush yards allowed. So that's why you saw Sean Tucker break out some decent runs because Florida State's run defense isn't actually that great. Right. The only problem was half of those runs were called back because of holding penalties. Right. And strangely, like, and I, I say strangely, legitimately, uh, Matthew Bergeron with one, maybe two holdings and at least two offsides, which I don't know if Senior Day got in his head or whatever, because he did walk. He was one of the players that did walk for Senior Day. Um, so we should not be expecting him remotely back. Um, we'll probably talk more on that later since I have the list up here as to who was out there um, and what that means, if anything. But no matter what, you can't have your best run blocker be um, a 64.6 on PFF and expect to do good things in the run game. Yeah. yeah. And that goes for both and that goes on both sides of the ball as well. Oh, ooh, ooh. Because I had just pulled this up and I'm sorry, I have to bring up the fact that the ooh. next highest offensive lineman is a 56.7. Lovely. Garrett Schrader had a better run block rating than four out of five offensive linemen. A obvious, not healthy, not physically right Garrett Schrader. Correct. Very Ooh, not lovely. healthy or right. Um, and I think that's something, I know we talked about it in the Slack. Uh, I 
I want to talk more about the offensive line, but we would be here for hours. Uh, <laughs> the, um, the, the Schrader thing, without his legs, uh, the play call drastically needs to either shift, change, or get him the hell out of there. Because he was he was throwing balls that he's completed all year where he looked like he was sailing things worse. I mean, the the pick on the sideline, he sailed things worse than Del Rio Wilson did last week. Yeah. At the same uh, time, those were throws to the sideline, which this was one of the things that frustrated me, is that when he was throwing those picks, throws down to the sideline, those are throws that we didn't see schemed all that much at the beginning of the year. Like, the clear and obvious plan from the uh, from the Syracuse coaching staff at the beginning of the year was set up Schrader over in the middle of the field. Right. And we didn't see nearly enough of the slants, the ends, the crossing routes, the post routes even, to open up the middle of the field. All I was looking for those first couple of drives, and I think we've talked about it before, is a couple of like quick ends, quick digs, quick you know uh, crosses across the middle of the field, something that would get Schrader's confidence up. And show him he can complete a pass because I think it was you that pointed it out, Christian, that when he does that, it's paramount to his entire game. You know what we need to stop doing? Have Sean like lazily run to the side on a half developed wheel route for a check down. Because he does that like every other play. And it just never gets anything done because he's never an op he's never developed quickly enough as an option. Right, but what we saw last year, you know, was uh, maybe a block, a block, and then a uh, and then a quick ten yard dig for a checkdown. Yeah, like why can't Tucker do more of that? Yeah, kind of that delay out of the backfield, make it look like yeah. you're pass blocking, and I, you know, I really don't know. Or like you're saying, if he's if he's leaking out to the flats. Don't make it look like you're just walking and then the play's already gone by the time you get in a position to be able to take things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the the consistency with which it happens, I have to think it's something that's designed or it, it kind of lo- it reminds me of the old yeah. Madden, like every Ask Madden play that was something and then the running back just doing the nice little float out into the flat, which... Mm-hmm works great in Madden, maybe not as well in uh current NCAA twenty two. Yeah, the I think that there's definitely a level of frustration that's obvious. Um it's it's tough to be on a football team that's getting its ass kicked. Um Steve has told stories about that. Go back to twenty twenty and listen to them. It's it's not as if they the idea of competing every down and every play is sure that's what you strive for, but you look up at the scoreboard enough, and everybody knows what the score is, and you know what what's happening. Um, what I think is more troubling for me personally, like as I watch this team, is the fact that the adjustments that we saw so much early in the season on both sides of the ball really have stopped and i'm wondering if that's due to the lack of depth and due to the injuries that have put so many new faces in there that you can't make as many adjustments because you're just trying to get these backups and these second stringers comfortable with like hey we just need you to be ready to play the the main game plan let alone throw it all out we're adjusting things on the fly um but i think that's where even though i don't necessarily agree with the tone or the harshness of the critiques of the coaching staff, I do think that when your strength all season long in your in your wins were adjustments in the second half, and those adjustments just stop, uh, it's it's fair to question and wonder what's going on. Well, and to be fair, like most of the injuries have been on defense, and so you really can't adjust in the same way, especially with how light Syracuse has been on defense with all those injuries and all those key injuries, that that, that makes it tougher for Syracuse because the defense has been the strength of this team for the entire season. Offense, they don't really have much of an excuse because the only, and while he's a key member, the only major injury has been Elmore. And Ellis. as Well, you know, but this, that's what I was going to get to. As much as you would like to think 
that, you know, one injury should also not be the end of the offensive line. It feels like it's the offensive line has just continued to go downhill and downhill and downhill ever since Kalen Ellis got injured as well. Yeah. Now, so like, this week... So, like, th- those are two injuries. Like, while, yes, they are key, shouldn't be TJ Watt crippling key. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> For those who can't see, Andy just had no response <laughs> other than, well, yeah. <laughs> no, it's... Listen, it's... Uh, I was explaining this. I was watching this game with uh, my friend Brad, who is a former head of Otto's Army, like just as big of a Syracuse fan as I am, and with our significant others who are are not to, the, to that <laughs> level of, uh, of fandom. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that, that's good. That's good. And so it just became the question of like, you know, why are why are the two of you both like so upset and angry watching this? It's like, listen, sometimes you show up in football. And football is like a, is a rep based game. Like everybody, eleven guys have to beat their guy on this individual rep for a play to work. And there are just sometimes where games you're just not going to win a rep. And what's frustrating is that this probably shouldn't be one of those games where Syracuse doesn't win a uh, doesn't win a rep. Um, but it was just really obvious from the get go that didn't really matter what we were going to do out there. Uh, just no one except for maybe Marlo Wax or Mikel Jones was really going to be able to take anybody on uh, head first and win. And when Sean Tucker did, it was because an offensive lineman had... Some of those holds were just absolutely... Why did you even bother doing that? Like, it's so obvious that that's going to get called. It's not even like the... It's not even like the legally allowed holding. It was straight up tackling guys and grabbing on horse collars and stuff like you you know that that's not going to work not and ideal so now, yeah and, and so now this is where we're going to let steve loose a little bit here <laughs> because i posed this question <laughs> i posed this question to him the slack and i think it now we're at the point where it needs to take some serious consideration how much of this on the offensive line is lack of talent and how much of this on the offensive line is mike schmidt uh, and, it, robust... I, and I know the answer is por qué no las dos. Exactly, but, as but always. Where, but... but where is it more? I think I think at this point you do start to point close, like point more aptly at Schmidt. Um, he is bringing, like, I mean, he he found Ellis. He's working through some of that stuff. Uh, he had a whole off season where he brought in two guys in Joe Cruz and. Uh, guy from Wisconsin that I can't remember, Schuster. Um, And that was it on offensive line recruits last year. Uh, Chad Schuster, I believe. And um, the the thing is this year, he he at least has the JUCO transfer. He brought in, I guess, Jacob Bradford would have counted last year as well. But he brought in, he has a JUCO transfer coming in um, and I believe a tackle commit. But there, yeah. there needs to be some bodies. You can see both of them are bigger frames than what we had been recruiting, what we had in place. Uh, and it seems like Schmidt seems to want to work with, you know, bigger, more uh, plotting offensive linemen for his schemes, which fits with his run-based style. Um, the the overlap of his stylistic preferences with what an A and Becker trying to do may need a little more um, nuance, should I say. Uh, so a little bit of everything. I mean, we do know at this point that uh, some of the linemen are not up to the grade. I still, I, personally this year, my brain has said Bleich is not living up to what he could have, which we thought was a possibility coming off of his groin surgery. So uh, that has kind of left a little bit of a hole. The emergence of Enrique Cruz, who actually looked pretty good this week comparatively to what uh, what I would expect out of a true freshman. Not quite like Matthew Bergeron uh, shows up and he's best player on the field type thing, uh, but looked, Cruz looked okay. Cruz was the fourth highest rated player for Syracuse. And Yay. the second highest rated offensive lineman. I always, every time we have one of these, I'm like... Is what I saw, what I saw, because trying to cover the game while also <laughs> trying to watch the offensive line, I'm like, all right, hopefully this sounds right. So uh, glad that passed the, uh, the the look test at least. 
but yeah, cruise cruise is a a nice find. But unfortunately, we're also well, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it and whether it's a personnel issue or Schmidt scheme issue. Next year, we are losing at least Bergeron um, and Davis. Uh, Vetterello also walked during the senior walk, who he's a 17th year redshirt sophomore somehow. Um, and then Bleich, Bleich didn't walk, but I believe he's come out and said that he wasn't going to come back. Now, maybe because he's not 100% healthy, he wants to come back and see if he can improve some stock or something. But, you know, at worst case, or at best case, we're losing three guys. So, what, who, and what fills those holes? This really is I mean, turning into 2019 all over again, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, this is not great. Um, well, let's not. let's re rehash this though. Twenty nineteen with a significantly better staff in place. Yes, because no matter and what, again, like this... whatever we've seen these last couple of weeks, yes, Ane has had some quirks and questions, and you could very much question his game plan in that. It's still a hell of a lot better than what we would have seen under Gilbert. Yes, and yeah, I, I want to I want to call out like next year's schedule is also not better than this year but no it's, it's better than this year i mean it's better than this year in that we have colgate western michigan army all at the dome for non-conference and we go to purdue so like that's a three and one that's a lot easier to manage um the road games are florida state north carolina georgia tech and virginia tech so a lot more a lot more uh coastal in there uh which is usually good for a program like syracuse and then the home games are Boston, Pitt, Wake, and Clemson. So, again, I, it's a it's a better schedule on paper, but obviously we talked about this year's schedule being daunting as hell, and it ended up being daunting as hell in a way that we didn't really anticipate it being daunting as hell. So there's, you know, there's still a lot that can happen there, but at least even if next year does feel like a transition year, there's still, a, again, Syracuse is bowl eligible. We've been bowl eligible for the last month, uh, and, and some change and, now. And yeah. let, let's look at it this way. Syracuse beat a bull eligible team in the second week of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Sir, and Syracuse is what, four and four against uh, bull eligible teams? Bull eligible yes. teams. Yeah. Like, we've played eight bull eligible teams in 10 games, folks. Nine Hand, once you. Hey, hands up if you thought that one of those was going to be UConn. Mm, Not me. But you know what? It kind of helps prove my scheduling point when BC is a dumpster fire that somehow also beat North Carolina State. Um, ACC, folks. It's Without Devin Leary, but still. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we, we also can claim that asterisk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, a, weird, it's a weird time. So uh, have, the UConn thing, call. like just looking at it, to, to hammer the scheduling point home, uh, <laughs> Utah, State, Utah State, which was a loss... Central Connecticut, us getting housed by Michigan, um, housed by NC State, but beat Fresno State, FIU, BC's dumpster fire, uh, UMass, and Liberty. Now, the Liberty thing, they were ranked 19 at the time. That was probably a surprise. But they also had a Ball State game in there, which they lost, which is also a very winnable game. So of all of those, yes, they lost the or they won the game that everybody thought they were going to lose, and everything else is you know they probably should have won some of the games they did lose. But yeah, either way, the, scheduling uh, matters, folks. It, it's it's the most important thing in college football. If you're not actually, it's the most important thing in college football, no matter what. Because either you're trying to get to a bowl or you're trying to get to the play uh, get to the playoff. Well, you know so, where I'm trying to get to. Halftime. Home field apparel. <laughs> Way past halftime right now. Yeah, we are a bit way. We blew past halftime a while ago, but two thirds time. uh, Yeah, two thirds time with our friends Homefield Apparel, (laughs) sponsors of this week's and every week's podcast because they're awesome and they their comfy t shirts come in all sorts of colors and logos and mascots. Whether you like Syracuse, whether you like other schools, uh, trust me, they are the best collection to your t shirt wardrobe that you can include. And if you don't want a t shirt, they also have sweatshirts. 
They have hoodies. They have joggers. Uh, they have everything cozy that you need for this impending uh, Fimble Winter that is about to set in on everybody. And if yes, you, I've been playing God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you want to feel cozy in this daring time of Syracuse athletics, tell, also tell Homefield Apparel that you want a Syracuse bomber jacket. Oh, there yes, you go. Christian, with the call out there, there is a currently a poll on Homefield Apparel's Twitter account. They are looking for suggestions of which school they should make a vintage retro bomber jacket of. Syracuse fans, if you want a vintage retro bomber jacket of Syracuse, you literally could tell somebody to make it for you. Um, so you should do that. You should do that to our friends at Homefield Apparel. And if you do indeed buy said vintage bomber jacket, should it come out, uh, use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. Gentlemen, we are about to talk about something else that is cozy that is borderline too warm because that's why they had to move the whole thing. Uh, we are talking about the World Cup because the thing that well, we, we are knew would really happen, burying the lead, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we are. Um, the thing that we knew would happen did happen where two Syracuse alums of the men's soccer program have officially been named to Team Canada. Congratulations to Tejon Buchanan and Kamal Miller. And it um, should have been three, but F Achilles tendons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, Miles Robinson was the first choice uh, starting center back for the United States, but his Achilles popped and it sucks. Um, it's kind of, this is kind of crazy that this is happening. Um, this is not something that Syracuse athletes are typically associated with. Uh, and it is the world's biggest sporting event and Syracuse has not one but two starters for Team Canada um at least or I'm really about- upset that Mike Tirico isn't doing any of these games because he would have assuredly you know thrown that thrown the Syracuse mention in at some point I, we might see a, a uh, no wait no never mind I was thinking I was like oh we might see a studio thing and I'm like no not the Olympics nope. damn it nope um, no, but I think I think if Strong, uh, John or not John Strong, um, the other one that also sounds very much like John Strong, um, JP Tawakarma. No, not the play-by-play, but the host uh, that they that Fox has been using for their soccer coverage is why am I blanking oh, on it? Stone, John Stone. Oh, John yeah. Stone. Yeah, yeah. Stone is a Colgate men's yep. soccer alum, and mm-hmm. that is the kind of connection that you can often see. Um, maybe when if, if if and when they talk about Team Canada and he makes the trip over to Qatar. You mean Rob um, Stone? John Stone's Rob is the Stone. former center yep. back. Yep, and also a uh, is that the Game of Thrones guy? I never watched, so I I don't know how. That You're thinking of John Snow. We are oh all God. the hell over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, Rob Dejan Stone, Buchanan, and Kamal Miller. <laughs> yeah, um, so the fact that both of them are starting is for one. Um, the farthest back I can find, they're the only SU players that I've seen that have been selected to a World Cup roster. Um, and, wow. And my, my favorite, like, nerdy thing about this also, for, like, soccer nerds thing, is that they, they got decent kit numbers as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, they're, they didn't, they weren't on the, the list of, like, well, we'll give these guys the choice first. Like, they were, they're in the, the prime. Yeah, like, Kamal's wearing four, Tejan's wearing 11. Those are, like... Good kit numbers. Oh yeah, so. Well, I was gonna say, judging by those numbers, I would assume that both Kamal and Tejan are going to be regular starters for Team Canada. You know, pending injuries um, and whatnot. Um, It'll depend on what Canada wants to do with Jonathan David and Kyle Laren. Yeah, I always forget about Uh, Kyle Laren. Shit, uh, I I said I always forget about him. Yeah, it'll depend on. It'll depend on what they want to do with yeah. those two because Davies is going to start on the left, and then it's an issue if you want David and Laren on the field at the same time. At the same yeah. time, do you, well. I don't, and I, I don't believe. Or does Canada want to run a four four two? Well, do you want to run a four four two, or um, do you run Davies at left back like he does for club? Well, Canada's always Canada's always played Davies at left mid, even when. Uh, he went to Bayern to switch to left back. Right. Well, and I guess uh, also, you know, that that would preclude our other player from being on the field. Yeah, but both Tejan and Davies are listed as forwards. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was yeah. actually about to. I was pulling that up. and I'm looking at that. That's actually kind of yes. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, they might also do the thing where I think there was one game in qualifying. Maybe it was the U.S.-Canada game where they had Tejon on the right. For, they, yeah, they, like, Tejon's been playing on the right for them at well and for New England. And but, I'd assume for yeah. Rouge, who he plays with Laren on. So there's some familiarity there as well. And we'll see how, see how they take to that. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's definitely a situation where, like, you look at what Tejon's game has done. Like, it was absolutely nuts the other day that I was able to watch Tejon Buchanan play in the Champions League. <laughs> um, that's a thing that happened this year. Um, but he's really added a lot more defensive stability to his game. Um, he is somebody who uh, did not have the Jordan Morris, like, swim lane going back and forth. He kind of would like to... Not that he would stop, but he was not one to swim backwards as fast as he would swim forwards. Well, it's because um, every every club is now seeing Canadian winger and thinking, oh, let's do the Davies thing yeah. and push him back. Right, let's turn him into a wingback. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's war- But, I mean, he's flexible enough to do it, and we saw that we know that he has the potency to, to score, um, which is, uh, I for- I'm pulling up right now, I forget what group Canada is in, um, in terms of their Opposition. They're in Group oh, F. Canada's group is not great for at least for Canada. Right, uh, Belgium, Croatia may have heard of them, and Morocco. That's a we- oh we've talked about this. That's a that's the weird group where it's the not quite group pick. of death. Like yeah. like Canada is almost destined to finish last in that group. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Canada will like it, this group looks like it's lining up. Like they'll have that like. Will give Belgium and Croatia a game, and then somehow lose to Morocco, mm-hmm. and then yeah. end up bottom of the group going home. But the problem is Morocco's going to have Ziyech, and then that's it. <laughs> True, but actually, I want to say there's somebody else on that squad too. Uh, why is my brain not working? Either way, um, the yeah, the groups, you know, the the Belgium and Croatia games are well, all three of them, they're. November 23rd, November 27th, and December 1st. So they're a day off or two days off of the U.S. schedule. Um, Yeah. And it looks like the Belgium game is going to be uh, at 2 p.m. on the Wednesday. Uh, The other Moroccan is Hakimi. That's who it was. was. Okay. Got it. Um, and yeah, we kind of, uh, Christian mentioned it off the top, like if, if an Achilles tendon for Miles doesn't pop, he is, especially now with all the injuries to the U.S. men's national team, like Miles is starting every game at center back. Um, oh yeah, he but, and Zimmerman I'll, were in, they were in Penn as the starting combo, and then he went and got hurt. And now the U.S. doesn't know what to do at center back, because when you lose the athletic person in your sweeper-stopper combo... Thank you, 1990s soccer. Uh, it really makes things a little tougher. Yeah. And feel bad for Miles, um, but obviously he's young enough that 2026 should be in play. Um, but obviously we're sending our best wishes to him along his recovery and hoping that, um, you know, this is this is probably a bittersweet time for him. Um, but it's also great for his former teammates, who are going to the World Cup. They, it's a great thing. I'm sure that we'll see plenty of Syracuse coverage about um, those two. But in general, this gives us an excuse to kind of talk about the World Cup a bit. And I have been doing the thing that I always do, which is looking at all of the groups and picking the one team that I believe will ir- go far for no other reason than weird group like shenanigans based off of who what groups play what and i'm i've convinced myself that japan is going to the quarterfinals i don't know why i don't know how but i think that they might win their group and then they have a relatively easy path to to get that far um i might be drinking the uh tamay uh tamayasu kool-aid a bit too much but i really i really like that team a lot for reasons that are not actually logical <laughs> i mean uh, they looked okay in the warm-up against the states i mean i think that was more the u.s pulling a syracuse and just not showing up for a game uh, uh than anything else do you, either now. one of you guys have uh clubs that you are 
potentially interested beyond the U.S. MNT in this year's World Cup and Canada, I guess, since we're talking about how much we love them. Um, definitely just because of the group they're in and with the way that mainly just because of the group they were in, Senegal seemed like a really, really good option to make a deep run. Because it's a relatively easy group in terms of, like, anyone can win that group. It's not a particular... It's definitely the weakest group out of all the... um, in the entire pool. And Senegal have the playmakers on both sides of the pitch to really, really cause some havoc. If they're healthy. Because yeah, Mane sure. went down last weekend, or this past weekend. I forgot about that as well. Yeah. yeah. So if he's up, but you, I'm 100% yeah, with but you. you still, but you still have one of the best goalkeeper center-back tandems in Koulibaly and Mendy. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about watching them week in, week out. No, um, no. Why would you? <laughs> uh, not a not a bad you know, wait, that's that's always the the added bonus for the national team when you can get the week in, week out club connection. Uh-huh. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I irrationally always end up following Poland just from ancestry reasons. Um, that's a good group. That's I really, I that's really, part that's of a very why I was I was like, I'm going to I'm going to go with them for this solely for the fact that I want to watch uh, them against Mexico, them against Argentina and then uh, Saudi Arabia as well. So like that, that's an interesting group to see. <laughs> And you can always so, watch Saudi Arabia and Canada are in very similar positions. Similar positions. Yeah, like, where oh. it's three teams who are going to slug the crap out of each other, and then they're just there. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting. And whatever, basically whatever, um, you know, Robert Lewandowski can do, then that's going to be where they end up. And he's been in tremendous form with Barcelona. That was a move that I thought was going to a golden be boot winner be is going to be sides. who <laughs> the golden boot winner is going to be the one who goes the deepest from Argentina or Poland. Yeah, because if yeah, it's I could see that. Because if it's Argentina, it's Messi. If it's Poland, it's Lewandowski. Yep. So yeah, I feel like Messi's going to have a hell of a tournament. Um, FIFA simulated that Argentina yeah. was going to win, and they've gotten the last, I think, two World Cups correct. Gone, um, I think they've gotten in the last three. Wild. Um, which, again, I can see it. I, again, the the, the, what was that? I said especially for how stupid their uh, player ratings can be. Yeah. Right. But it's also like the World Cup is one of these fun tournaments where so much of it is really the, like, since everything is preordained with matchups, like, you really can see how certain paths can come through. But then the one... Like, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but, like, say the U.S. wins Group B and England is suddenly on the two line instead of the one line. Right. Like, that can throw off the entire tournament dynamics once you get to the knockout round. So I forget. So I forget. U.S. If the U.S. make it out of the group, they're immediately they're locked into playing a team from Group A, correct? Yes. Or is it... I think it's the yes? swap. I think it's the A-B swap, right? Yeah, yeah. I I literally have the. If you give me two seconds, I have a pool that I'm running because for I work. because I because I've always I've always preferred the UEFA uh, system of uh, you know yeah pulling I dump dump them all into a pool yeah and and let let's because the, the that makes it just so much more interesting for me at least yeah yeah the, so Group B the winner of Group B will play the second place of group a and yeah, the runner up will play uh, yeah. the winner of group a. Oh, so that makes, that makes group C and D very, very interesting because yeah. if our, because if Argentina or France slip up and yeah, they have to play each other and around a 16, like, yeah, like that's, that's tough. Well, it's oh, the same yeah. thing with like group with group E and F like, um, again, Part of the part of the thing is that you know Belgium and Croatia are both really solid teams, and they're going to take one or two. But that means that you're playing one of Spain. You're both playing one of Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, or Japan, and those are all. I would say Costa Rica is probably the weakest side in there, and yeah. they are yeah. feisty as hell at every one of these tournaments. Right, what and if, no matter what you have, Kaylor Navas, and and especially in a tournament like this, Costa Rica have one of the better goalies. In this tournament, 
So, like, you, you don't see goal fests in, in the World Cup. Especially yeah. not in the group stages. Exactly, yeah. Everybody's so. just trying to get by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with the short turnaround, and again, we still do not know what the actual playing conditions are going to be like. Oh, uh, short turnaround, human rights violations, whatever. It's all... <laughs> the yeah. words less than ideal come to mind. Yeah. Um, and if you want to hear us rant about the Qatari World Cup and why it was a horrible idea, we're not going to do that right now, but uh, we could very easily. <laughs> there let's are just already say, let's just say we've three had podcasts six... about that that I've listened to in this past week. <laughs> Let's just say we've had six years to talk about why it's been an awful idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they distracted us with the other horrible idea of the Russian World Cup. So. And then it comes to the right World Cup, which is the U.S., but then you throw in Canada and Mexico to just make travel logistics even more difficult. Of course. Um, who's, who's who's the team? Who, who's the team that has to go from the Azteca all the way to Vancouver for a group stage game? Azteca to BC Place. There's got to be, yeah. Oh, I, that'll be. I bad. want them to. I want them to go in their brain and go. You know what? It, they should go from Azteca to Denver because that way it's not that much of a like. It's you're staying the, at the same elevation, right? Not taking into account the rest of the climate and how that's basically two different countries. <laughs> Uh, it literally, literally is two different countries. The, yeah. the, t- the tough one is when they have to go from uh, when they have to go from Toronto to LA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the twenty twenty six World Cup is gonna be it's gonna be a blast. I cannot wait. But we still have to get through the twenty twenty two World Cup. Um, that starts next Sunday. Uh, Qatar and Ecuador kick the tournament off next Sunday, uh, and then everybody else starts the Monday after. So. Uh, we'll probably talk about the World Cup a little bit more next week, just in case there's any injury news or anything that comes out of Camp Canada in regards to Tejan or Kamal. Um, but yeah, again, just really exciting moment. First time in SU history and a great feather again in the hat of Coach Mac. And we have gone full circle on this pod as we reach the hour-long mark. So thank you to everybody who has stayed um, with us. Um, we are not hey, finished yet. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it, Christian. I think you and I are along the same lines with this. Yeah. We managed to go an entire podcast on the opening week of basketball season without talking about basketball. That's incredible. Yeah. For a Syracuse podcast. Yeah. We we, we played a game. We have two games this week that we're going to learn a lot more about. I, I Well, the more important than the game that got played, big news, the news dropped that came today. Out this afternoon. Did you miss that, Pregler? I was playing footy for like Charger two hours. That's why. That that's explains funny. why we buried. That's why I was talking about burying the lead because I was yeah. like, "Oh, we're hitting the World Cup before." Um, mm-hmm. and so here, instant reaction, Andy. Um, and also, here's how you feel old. Uh, Keon Anthony has officially been offered by Syracuse University. Wait. Yes. <laughs> that Keon Anthony. Yes. Oh. Wow. Remember how Mello was in the dome uh, last night? So yeah, was his son. And we he got why. an offer. <laughs> okay. One, I have something to tell you all off air that I cannot say on air. Yeah. Two. <laughs> two. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> this makes sense considering who else has been on the program. But I guess my, my question is he good? <laughs> He's the 62 ranked recruit in the class of 2025. Okay, cool. cool, 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 cool. <laughs> he's immediately on board. Yeah, four star, he's six sure. three. Like yeah. It's watching watching like, footage of him, it's like you see little mellow. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the same thing with like Bronny James. Like, hey, is this kid pro- an elite like NBA ready player? No. Does he have ties to probably one of the program's greatest players ever? Get guarantees to bring in eyeballs, potentially new uh, NIL streams, and can make sure that we keep that relationship great. Sure, great, bring him in, bring him in. I see no downside. <laughs> yeah, except so for the Bronny first James, game. So why is Bronny James going to Ohio State and not to Akron? You know that to me. It, well, because LeBron changes his collegiate allegiances every every three months based off of who's doing well in the polls. He's not enough uh, of a soccer fan. That's the actual boat, real reason. I would have banana boat looking on Dog Lake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 
We got there, uh, folks. <laughs> there, yeah, we got him. Um, wow. That's going to be Kevin, if you're listening. Uh, that's a Photoshop. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, we'll talk about actual basketball next week when Syracuse basketball has played two games. Um, and they inevitably lose to Colgate on Tuesday. Oh, well, that was what I was going to say. Is I feel like this season, based because of last year, I have – not paid attention to basketball stuff at all because the Colgate game is the litmus is the litmus test. Um, beat Colgate, okay. Everything like this this could get this just could be a regular season. Lose to Colgate, oh shit, everything's on fire. Yep. Yeah, that sounds right. Cool. Uh, now uh, we have one more thing to talk about before we end what has been a very long pod talking about things that I don't think people thought we would be talking about for this long. Um, congratulations to women's field hockey who played an absolutely epic game. They lost three to two on penalties, which is a thing that I didn't know existed in field hockey and feels very dumb, but, um, out, uh, just out of them. It is the back to backs. It is the second season in a row where Syracuse has lost in the elite eight of the NCAA tournament. I believe last year was also to Maryland, unless I'm also misremembering things. No, it was also to Maryland, just not in penalties. That is that awful. was just yeah. Um, brewings of a rivalry there, <laughs> and uh, again, special group of kid uh, of kids who obviously got through the pandemic stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, I feel like for all these student athletes now who are graduating, had their last years this year. It's like they have been through the ringer. Uh, they went through a lot that disrupted their collegiate experiences, and to have the season end in that way is gonna is gotta sting. But um, great season overall for field hockey. Again, uh, they are really kind of they've reset and righted that ship uh, back to being a, a national power. So cool, nice to have another one of those on campus. Absolutely. Hey. All right, we are past the hour mark. We talked about our football. We talked about our football. Um, thank you to those who stuck around for this whole thing on Twitch. You remember you can watch this show every Sunday night-ish at 8 o'clock-ish on Twitch uh, on our official News Magician channel. Thank you to those who are watching this replayed or listening to this on uh, newsmagician.com. Again, we really appreciate your support of the website. Uh, these Those clicks and reading all of our stuff is it means a lot to us and everybody else on the site, and we're going to have some great coverage this week around soccer around football around basketball it's gonna be a busy week here and also uh if you're listening to this on your podcast platform of choice thank you so much remember to like and subscribe and to make sure to give us a five-star review so we can trick the ottoman empire into expanding uh all across the interwebs gentlemen go acc championship orange go orange well (laughs) 